Lonely Monk Productions. I don't know if y'all have heard the song Miami by Caroline Rose yet, but yo. That's my joy. That's my joy. What's good, friends and family, neighbors near and far? Welcome to an all-new season of the Yo, That's My John podcast. The podcast, website, brand, movement, way of life dedicated to the embrace and championing of your passions. I am your host, Nate Runkle, a.k.a. John L. Monate, a.k.a. Nate 3.0, back at it again with yet another episode of the podcast. As always, I hope this podcast finds you all in good health and in good spirits. On today's episode, Kevin McCall and Jordan Petrellis from the band Andorra join me for a chat about their new album, Boogie Night Blues, and so much more. That's coming up in a minute. But first, what is up, my friends? Happy 2023! We are back with an all-new season of the pod, and I am super stoked to get right back into it. You know, I had a good friend reach out to me a while back and say, Hey, Nate, it's been season three for a while now. What makes a new season a new season? When are we going to get a season four? And my answer was, um... uh, I don't know. (laughs) I really don't know. You know, season one was seven episodes long. Season two was six episodes. And the one we just ended, season three, well, that went for, let's see here, um, 33 episodes. So, yeah, no rhyme or reason behind it. Just, you know, whatever the feels are, man. Well, that stops today. Now, from here on out, seasons will mean something. Seasons will change every year after the Christmas episodes, like we've just done. That makes sense, right? Well, yeah, I thought so too. So here we are, the first episode of the new season, and I am feeling good, family. And you guys are a family to me in the strictest Dom Toretto sense of the term. Family. And look, I am ready to watch successes from everyone this year. You, me, and the world. I just want our family to shine. My motto for 2023 is 2020 me. And not in the me as an I sense of the me, but me as in we sense of the me. All I want for this year is power and positivity for all of us. And I feel it, man. I feel it so much. This is the year. This one. Uh, Those last few, uh, yeah, they kind of sucked hard. But 2023, I'm sorry, 2020 me? Nah, this year is gonna be a dope one. I am so excited to bring you guys some amazing guests and conversations. I've already started recording some of those upcoming interviews. And guys, I am the luckiest dude in the world to be able to chat with such brilliantly creative artists and share that with you. And then to continue to follow and watch those people thrive, it has been so incredibly rewarding. I mean, just recently I've been able to see both the Tisberries and Paul Keene do what they do best and command the stage with a full frontal assault of talent and style. And this Friday, I'm getting to see the homie G-Love rock out the TLA with Donovan Frankenreiter in what I'm sure is going to be a banging night. 
All I'm saying is, I love watching my friends and family cook, and y'all, we are cooking this year. All of us. 2020 me and beyond. But so much will be happening on the Yo That's My John front in the next few months, and I don't want a single one of you to miss out on the fun. Don't get left behind. So if you have not done so, please jump on www.yothatsmyjohn.com and sign up for the mailing list. It is the best way to keep yourself abreast of what I got cooking in the kettle for the Yo That's My John podcast brand movement, yada, yada, yada. And be sure to follow us on all of the socials at Yo That's My John. If there is a social, we're there and that's it. At Yo That's My John. But, you know, if you're on one and we're not there, you tell me and we'll be there quicker than a quick thing does quick stuff. Because, guys, I don't want to miss out on that party either. Bet. All right. Brief ad break. Then me, Kevin and Jordan, we gonna have us a little chat. Stick around. My guests today met in high school, and they've been making music ever since. Their new album, Boogie Night Blues, is an exquisite nine-song collection of Memphis-infused boogie rock tracks. Opening with the guitar rocking brothers in arms and not letting up until the swanky rhythms of Fairmount Blues, the band has channeled years of chemistry as a live act into a tremendous Stones-inspired album that has precisely captured their love of music, packaged in bluesy guitar-driven boogie that'll have you bopping the night away. Folks, it is my honor to welcome to the show Kevin McCall and Jordan Petrellis of the band Andorra. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, I am joined today by Kevin and Jordan of the great band Andorra. Guys, thank you for joining me on Yo, That's My John. Yo, thanks for having us. How are you, Nate? Doing excellent. First of all, what I wanted to lead this off with is uh, congratulations on a 10-year anniversary. Um, I got a chance not to finish it, but to uh, start the documentary um, that you guys uh, uploaded to YouTube or whatnot. And uh, it's so fascinating just to kind of hear your backstory. And now I'm going to make you regurgitate so much of that. But uh... <laughs> Well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad you weren't bored the whole time. Uh, I feel like it's a little bit of a lift if you don't know us, but uh, appreciate you checking it out um but yeah uh, jordan and i started this band called andorra um back in like august 2010 and sort of been just keeping it alive since then we've had a rotating cast of different um players over the years uh, different session guys that have joined us in studio and then uh, different folks have joined us live and, and touring and whatnot so um but this this core group that we have right now with Michael and Jordan on uh, bass and guitar respectively um, are kind of like our, our main guys, our brothers in arms. And, uh, um, you know, we've, we've been like this establishment, I think for six years is what Dante said the other day. So um, he would know he's got, he's got and or tattooed on his thigh. So um, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So, like, uh, where did you guys grow up? Uh, Kevin, we'll start with you, and then we'll go to Jordan. Uh, yeah, I grew up in, like, suburbs, uh, like, Northtown, East Norton area. And um, uh, the other founding member, quote-unquote, uh, 
Chris Ternoski got me in trouble a lot in public school. So my mom was like, going to yank him out and send him to St. Helena's um, Catholic school. And that's where I met Jordan. And uh, I just, I don't know. I, I think we just clicked right away. And um, there wasn't too many folks there that were like gun ho about starting a band. Uh, so we just kind of bonded over that and just modern music at the time. And um, we've been, we've been buddies ever since. Yeah. <clears throat> I grew up in the same area, obviously went to, you know, Kevin, Kev, when, when did we meet like fifth, fifth grade sixth, sixth grade you came sixth grade yeah, sixth grade <laughs> um and yeah kev lived down the street from that school so yeah and definitely just kind of wanted to start something didn't you know i kind of barely played drums at the time i think everybody kind of barely played their instruments at that time <laughs> but uh you know came together in the end right <clears throat> that's so. awesome yeah that, i mean like that's very similar to uh my best friend and i we've been we started playing in a band before either of us could play instruments. We were like a, um, uh, a lip sync band. Essentially we would play with like fake instruments and pretend. And then like he got a hold of a drum set and I got a hold of a guitar and it was like, well, I guess I play guitar and you play drums. Like, yeah. you know, like <laughs> that's how I became the singer too. I was like, ah, nobody else wants to sing. Okay. I guess that's me. So <laughs> that's awesome. So when you were like growing up, like what kind of music was playing around the house? I, for I, me, I, yeah. Oh, go ahead. You go first. Yeah. For me, it was like, you know, a lot of classic rock Beatles stones and just anything that was like playing on MMR or one Oh four five at the time. And back in my dad's pickup truck, I kind of remember, uh, hearing Danny California for the first time, just like full volume. Um, so like that was like the, like the modern rock music at the time that was pretty inspirational, I, I guess. And, um, uh, yeah, and I, and I think like there's some overlap from that, and then Jordan will probably tell you he listened to Rush and Boston and and a bunch of records from his dad's record collection. So like very much like reflective of what our parents' tastes were, and then just you know I, I guess that's how it goes. It's sort of in your DNA at that time, and then it's that's what you end up liking and digging and sort of setting forth out to do with, with you know if if your hero's Neil Peart, I'm sure you're going to be a drummer. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think another thing that really affected us earlier on was um, the music scene. My brother is like five years older than me, had a, had a band. And um, so we were kind of connected in with some of their scene at the time. Um, and I think a lot of the music that they were playing, which is similar, somewhat similar vibes to our music, um, kind of rubbed off on us. And, and that was kind of our, our gateway into some of those musicians and some of those same guys that we met through my brother and his band ended up recording our first album with us, like engineering and things like that. Um, so yeah, that was another, another good connection that kind of helped us, you know, get our ways along. Yeah. A lot of MySpace at the time, like yeah, MySpace music players. That was, you know, like refreshing the page until it was midnight and then the song was live and oh shit, Joey's, Joey's brand is, uh, got a new song out. So <laughs> we, we would kind of be excited for her our older brothers in that way. And, and then, um, you know, trying to kind of do our own version of that. That's awesome. You know, yeah. Like that's I, I, I forget who I was talking to about this, but I really miss like the MySpace kind of experience, like, especially for music. Like it was, it was a great way to stay in contact with, with other bands and stuff like that and listen to, 
uh, their music and, and, you know, meet other fans of theirs and stuff like that. Like everything's so segmented now, like, you know, okay, here's my Bandcamp page, but here's also my Instagram and my Twitter. And then I also sometimes, you know, uh, have a Substack, and I, you know, like all these different kinds of dysphoric kind of things where it at one point in time was all on one site, you know? <laughs> Right. Yeah. And I, we just put out the record obviously. And I was like, Oh, I have to go and update everything. <laughs> so yeah, I feel that it's just remembering a lot of passwords and, and sort of the rebranding of all everything too. Like we, we were going for like this black and gray kind of thing. So yeah, crap. I gotta, I gotta figure out how to change the main campground, I guess. So yeah, that's very much just went through it so for sure <laughs> yeah i feel like early on too like when you don't you know you you prioritize all the wrong things when you're early on in a band you're like okay what's the what's the album art we're gonna look like you know and yeah. back way back in the day it was you know okay what's our myspace banner gonna be what color are we gonna make the page you know it's like all all the wrong things everything except the music was prioritized yeah. in the early days <laughs> i've been pulling out this quote a lot but there's a really funny family guy bit where they're all in prison and they started uh, like a jailhouse rock band and they're getting ready to play their first gig and they're like, Oh my God, we don't have any songs. So yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, that was us for a little bit, but you know, it, it, we found our way and we found the, the folks that kind of fit in and, and helped us, you know, gig yeah. this thing out. Yeah. When, um, when you guys first started like kind of playing together, like obviously w were you writing songs like immediately or, or were you just, you know, doing covers like, like everybody does? I think yeah, we were actually the opposite. We were like writing original songs first. Um, I I don't know how that happened, or or like you know, I, there's no right or wrong way to do things, but we, sure. I feel like we just always did like the wrong thing. Um, and you know, I the, one of the first songs that we wrote together is a, a song called Black and Blue off our first record, and um, I very distinctively remember writing that in my parents' basement with Jordan and. Uh, Chris Tronowski, who was our bass player. And, uh, we had like the Paps blue ribbon, uh, neon beer sign in there. And like, uh, that and probably strobe light were the lights on. And as we were writing the song and like, if I think back, that's kind of like, you know, the, the, that, that is the song essentially like in color. So, um, that is, that's like a very fond memory of, of like writing our first song together and, and being in a room and writing music. And that's still our favorite part of like, being a band like just the collaborative process of being in a room with humans and like you know writing stuff together bouncing ideas off each other like that's that's how these past batch of songs were written and that's how uh the record before uh, we're all to get you know written together essentially so yeah i think our first game we probably played five or six songs um, I think five of them were probably originals, maybe maybe a little bit less. But I think the only cover we were playing back then, we played a uh, "Sex and Candy." Back Sex then. and Candy by Mercy Playground. Yeah, I don't know if there was <laughs> any. I can't think of any others that we played that early on. And that was kind of like a "we need to fill the set list." I guess we'll cover a song kind of thing because <laughs> we didn't yeah. have that music. It's a great pick too. Like it's just a great <laughs> so song. So random. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think the, it was Chris's uh, uh, our bass player at the time. He had uh, he's like one of the only people I know that had a cell phone. It was a hand me down, and Mercy's Playground Sex and Canyon was like 
the only downloaded ringtone on it. He's like, what is this song? I was like, I don't know, maybe we should cover it. And, and I, <laughs> that's how it happened. Dude, that that's came up awesome. on my YouTube suggested the other day, completely randomly, like, like the, the actual music video. And I was like, oh my God, we used to cover this. It's the only reason it was fresh in my mind. <laughs> that's so great. So, um, you know, those those early days, early, you know, you, you said the first song you wrote actually ended up on the, on the first album. Like, um, did did it click for you guys like immediately, like kind of creating your sound that early on or? Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think we were going for anything like yeah. specific sound wise. It was just like, what, like, what are we capable of doing at this time? And, and whatever came out was what we had. And, um, you know, th- there is like, uh, there's a combo of songs from the first two records that we really gigged out. Um, song called Habits, uh, a song called Ain't It a Shame, Black and Blue, What Goes Around. They were like the songs that we gigged out during the time uh, we were writing and getting ready to record our first record, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, you know, like, it, it, and it became like a rotating cast of different players, different buddies from high school, whatever people came and went went to college you know we were like lose a member every year but it was always just jordan and i um so uh that first record was pretty much just me and jordan in the studio once again but we we had these like fully formed shaped songs that um i think were were like really just like ironed out because we were able to gig them so much and, and just we got to figure out how to play them and and like what we wanted to do differently in the studio or what, what didn't work. You know, we, we like figured that out the hard way along the way for maybe like maybe two years until we got into the studio to, to really, you know, finally track them because we had no money at the time. We had no budget. We had no, you know, no skills, no sweet skills. So (laughs) we we were just trying to figure it out. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, some of the early songs, even from like 2012, 2013, I think is when habits and elephants came about and they're on the second record, which was, I don't know, two or three years after the first record, but they existed that whole time. It just kind of like, you know, (laughs) got to see where things fit and whatnot. So like those we gigged for so many years before we recorded them. <clears throat> has that has that process stayed the same like or do you do you kind of compile and play out your songs prior or do or have you moved to becoming more of a studio uh creator or i, I definitely would not consider us studio writers like I, and maybe there's a, a you know times when there's some like acoustic songs often kind of develop in the studio um but for the most part we're yeah, I, I would say for the, the, really for the most part, we're writing a song, usually playing it at quite a few gigs um, and then going into the studio. But, you know, it's not the case for every single song, but definitely the majority. Yeah. It's how we craft it. It's how we shape the song. You know, like there's stuff that we do live that might not be on the record. And like uh, there's there's times where like we would figure things out in a live setting and then be like, damn, I wish we recorded that. So in an effort to not have that be the case every time we, we just try to, you know, hit the ground running, tore them out as much as possible and then be like, okay, this is, this is how this arrangement's going. This is, has what has worked in, in a live setting because for us, I think the live show is everything like, like we're a live band. So um, if, if, if it's going great that way, then I think that's how it needs to be recorded. So um, uh, first and foremost, we are, we're certainly a live band, but there's some outliers where, um, 
you know, I definitely think Jordan's right on the money with like acoustic songs or, or like, uh, there's the song, um, Fairmount blues, which is the closer on our new record is like, as it kind of formed in the studio more than anything. So, um, it depends on the song, but, but certainly trying to make sure it, it it's a, it's a good fit. Maybe we throw it out or rework it if it wasn't good in the live setting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where, so early on, like where, where were you guys playing? Like, did you kind of venture into the city quickly or were you, uh, were you in the burbs? I mean, we we were in the burbs for a, a you know a good while. We had a set, um, Kevin and, and 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 myself and a number of other, of other individuals started this like set of a few shows we did at a place called the Implemented Night Church in Ambler, um, and like kind of created our own shows. Like we brought the PA, we brought the audience, we did the advertising, whatever. Um, and so those, those kinds of shows are really cool at first. And it really wasn't, I mean, there were some exceptions, but it really wasn't until we all went to college in various Philadelphia schools where we started to really, really, really gig Philadelphia. Um, we did some stuff in high school. Like we may have, I don't know if we, I don't think we played Milk Boy in high school, but there were definitely some Philly shows a little bit earlier on, but it was really school that kind of drove us all to start playing more in Philly. We definitely played a lot of bars under age too. That's for sure. Oh yeah, that's that's for sure. Yeah, outside of Philly or not, yeah, that was always a pain in the butt in getting in this. Yeah, that's like a rite of passage, uh, especially in this area. Um, but you name checked Ambler. Uh, spoiler alert: that's where I am right now. Oh. <laughs> I'm a Wizard Hicken grad. Oh, okay. Oh, well, that that totally makes sense. That all tracks. That all tracks. Um, so, um, where did where did you guys go to college? I went to University of the Arts. I went to Jacksonville. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, uh, when when you went, was there any kind of concern or fear about the band not doing anymore? Or were you guys pretty steadfast at that point? Like, ah, we'll keep this together. Yeah. I mean, I almost went to uh, Syracuse. There was, there was a good chance. And I, I think, I know for me, that was like a maybe I won't be able to do it anymore then kind of thing. Yeah. I remember Jordan, we were at a gig and he got his uh, acceptance letter. I was like, oh, shit, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't sure how he thought. And, and I don't really know that we had a conversation about it, but I knew as long as he was in Philly, I think we would have kept it going. So um, thank God he stuck it out and, and stayed around. So, yeah, I don't even know what members were in the band at that time other than, than us. Yeah, my, like when we were going into college, I don't think Michael was in the band yet, was he? Yeah, and then Michael, our bass player, who I've been neighbors with and, and like best pals with since kindergarten, he he kind of was just like, it just made sense. You know, he played in other bands and we've gigged as Andorra um, alongside him in like other iterations of, of bands and projects that he's been in over the years. But um, I think he was finally just like, hey, like, can I just be in the band? And it just, it made, it made perfect sense. You know, it, it, we, we should have probably put him in the band sooner, but um, I don't know what, what the holdup or what the, the blockage was with, with that. But um, he, he quickly became the, the full-time bass player in Andorra. And then um, I met Dante, our lead guitar player at UArts um, shortly after too. And, and we've just kind of been solidified as this band and we've been, having a blast just gigging around Philadelphia and the greater area for, I think I said like five, six years at this point as this iteration. So yeah, it's been, it's been pretty steady and, and, you know, we're not, this is it. This is, this is the band. If, if, 
if all else fails, then I think we're done. But this this is the band. <laughs> yeah, um, having having that core now um, has it um, kind of freed you up to um, be more adventurous writing um, the the material that you're putting together. Because um, and this is just you know an outsider looking in, but it it, it feels like that on um, Boogie Night Blues you took some swings um with this one that um and you completely made contact and knocked it out of the park if you ask me because um it's it's awesome like it's it's a banger of an album i absolutely love it um and of course i'm going to pick your brain about it in a little bit here but um but having that core has that like really helped uh with the songwriting oh yeah i think dante will be the first to say it but he's like we just get weird like you know and there's there's like no right or wrong answer. There's, there's really no boundaries either. Um, so like, you know, like that hasn't necessarily happened this example yet, but like, like if there was ever a question or concern about lyrics, I'd be like, yeah, well, like, let's talk about it. Or like, um, you know, I think our, our 2019 release, uh, family tree had some pretty exceptional, like just genre bending kind of songs where like it was like a funk song and like there was then like a neil young inspired folk song so um i I feel very comfortable with these guys to be able to be like this is i just want to do this with this song and like they'll follow my lead or like if it's their idea then i'll follow their lead so um there's no like weirdness into trying new things with this this group of people now yeah i i think like speaking for both of us possibly incorrectly, but like, I kind of consider Kevin and I just like, you know, rhythm rockers. And so adding Michael and Dante on top of that, Michael is a music teacher. He is very theoretical, is, is very good at that kind of technical stuff, you know, shifting things small ways that make huge impacts. Um, so adding him to the band um, and then Dante, who can just shred whenever he wants to, um, really kind of opened up what I think what we could do. And and I think that shows not only on the most recent album, um, Boogie Night Blues, but also on the, the previous album as well. Definitely, definitely. Like, you know, uh, and, and, and it obviously makes sense that, you know, the more you play with people, the more you'll grow. But like, I can, I can, de- you can definitely feel um, that kind of I don't want to say safety net because that sounds uh, limiting, but like that kind of uh, confidence in each other and that trust in each other um, kind of in, in some, like in, in, like I said, taking, taking a wild swing and, and trying something different. And, uh, and it definitely pays off. Like, um, yeah, like, like I said, uh, this new album uh, I've been playing for the past few weeks is like just absolutely stellar. It just came out on, on Friday. Congratulations. Um, uh, this will air a little in the future, but, but for, for us, it just came out on Friday. Everybody else can find it wherever they, wherever they get their, their, their streaming and stuff. Um, some, some of it has, um, I I would say some strong studio elements. How, how does it work? Like, how does, how does the song like guts work live? Cause it, it just, it, there's so much going on in there. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) yeah. Uh, well, I guess to back it up, we we had a, a very serious time recording uh, Family Tree. Um, it was just it's just a record that took itself very seriously. So I think we needed to take ourselves seriously in the studio doing that. So we sought out to just have fun in the studio with this one, um, and we recruited uh, our our buddy Tommy Leahy, who 
was formerly in the band, toured with us, played some shows with us as a lead guitar player. Um, and, you know, he, he tracked, engineered the record for us. And um, he just, like, helped bring this, like, this re-energized uh, fun to the band again that that I think might have been lacking a little bit in, in Family Tree. But um, that's kind of what the goal was, really. We just wanted to have fun making a fun record and um just like stuff like the shooby doobies in the chorus um they're like you know it's certainly maybe more of a studio thing but uh, uh, uh jordan's girlfriend amy's has joined us and sung those live with us a few times um so and, and you know we're like very much a family band in a way too where like we do that like i don't think anybody does that like there, there might be another band out there that has tried to do that where it's become a problem whereas like we're just really close and have been friends uh over the years and uh my wife and, and her are very close too so like you know we're just very comfortable and friendly with each other just to kind of go back to that point but um I, am i getting there am I, is this answering yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> totally like you know at, at any recent gig we've played over the last two three years there's bound to be like three or four ex and or members at the gig. And it's usually a question of like, okay, who are we bringing up tonight to, to, to guest play with us? Like, so I think yeah. that's, I think that's part of what you're trying to get at us. Yeah. When you say we're a family band, I think you almost quite literally mean it. Um, and yeah, I mean, recreating stuff, especially like guts. Um, so we only recently started adding um, uh, keys to our arrangements and, um, Anthony, I don't know how to say his last name, Sadek, I guess. Anthony Sadek, yeah, he's uh, he went to uh, Westchester with our with our buddy Michael, but he, he the two of them had played in projects previously, and and uh, he he kind of introduced him as more of a session guide for us. He would we would record in in Tommy's studio here in, in Glenside, and then um, basically ship the the tracks off to him in Nashville, and he would just play over them. Um, but it it was so good, and and we had flew him out for a couple things um just to you know ha- have some good gigs and i think one time he was around at thanksgiving around in during like thanksgiving holiday time so like he was just home so we were just like let's get together and like play through the songs because uh you know you you killed them and it was just so organic and natural that it it was like why don't why don't we just keep having you come and sit in when whenever you're around and um we've been doing that. So like, that's again, another element that we've added to the live show and he's incredible. He, he's, he shreds and he's an awesome keyboard player. So, um, we love having him and, um, yeah, it, it's not always easy. Cause like sometimes we layer guitar parts and, and sometimes there's, there's dubs that happen that you can't necessarily replicate live. But I think the important part is that like the energy's there alive and people are enjoying it. So if I'm, for missing half the song or like I'm not nailing vocals or whatever, as long as people are there and are energized then like I'm fired up and, and I think we're all going to go home and be like, that was a great gig. Let's, you know, let's, let's reflect on that and then, and, and do it all over again. No, it's dope. You know, um, you, you mentioned family tree was 2019 and you know, we're 2023. You've just released uh, the new album. Um, there was something that happened in between there. Oh, there was a pandemic. That's right. Um, so you, (laughs) you mentioned that you guys, um, you know, work a lot crafting songs, uh, live. Um, when did you start working on this album? Because I, you know, live shows were a definite challenge the past few years. So, yeah, 
I think what was interesting for us is, um, especially like as things were kind of just opening back up, like people weren't really doing shows yet. Um, this was just a small thing, but Kevin works, uh, at the grape room. And so we have the privilege of sometimes being able to kind of get on stage there when it's closed. Um, and having that ability for us during this time, we recorded a small live set there when we kind of thought, uh, grape room was actually going to be closing. Um, and so we got to go in when it was closed and kind of record a set, uh, and run some of these songs. I think we ran three or four of what came, ended up being on the album, um, and kind of posted those online or, and then also live stream them. Um, so being able to get to work things in that way, especially before everything had, had opened back up to be on a stage was, I think, really helpful. We actually kind of wrote one of the songs at uh, Vavavoom on the newest album. We wrote a good, a significant portion of that song on stage at the Great Room. Um, so just being in that environment before we really got to be, um, you know, full time was, was a huge help. <clears throat> no, yeah. that, it makes sense. Yeah. The, uh, you, you mentioned the grape room. Um, I'm a, uh, former original player. Um, I still write and I still play out every once in a while, but it's few and far between, but the grape room was my spot. I used to back, uh, originally when it was the, the grape street pub and then the move and then back, I always followed, followed along. Um, I, I, I love that room. Um, how long have you been w- working uh, with grape room? Yeah, I, I got a job booking that stage fresh out of college in like 2018. Okay. Um, so uh, I, it was like a weird circumstance that had a hold on a date with Scooter and uh, sort of dropped the ball on it. And I was like, ah, sorry, I'll make it up to you. I'll, I'll just like book the show. And he's like, oh, you would do that? I was like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll do that next week too. And, and I just kind of kept getting the invite to come back. So yeah. Oh, and, then, nice. and we love that place. You know, it's our home away from home. And uh, like Jordan said, we, you know, they, we, we, we have the key to the front door, you know, we can go in and whatever we want and, and, and sort of just set it up and, and a little theatrics had to happen in order to make that feel like it was a, a real show. But, you know, we, we, we definitely got to be on that stage during a, a, a crazy time. Um, and, and a lot of the, the, this was probably the first record where some of this material was written somewhat separately. Like we kind of have um, a little bit of a, a structure here, a little, little bit of like a ongoing formula that, that is an Andorra song, um, which usually consists of me kind of just bringing the bones of the song to the band and then they rip it apart and, and stitch it back together in, in this like, new collaborated on version um and uh i think uh, losing it was probably the first song that i i showed them all and um that that quickly turned into me going like hey guys i think this is like going to be a a, a boogie rock blues record uh, i hope you're okay with that that's that's kind of the direction i think we're going in and um if you're down for it let's lean into it and they're like oh yeah sure let's let's uh do it so um that that all very much happened in the middle of covid and um we've just been expanding on it and waiting for everything to die down and then just you know getting in the studio it took a lot of time just to wait out all that crap but then now i feel like we're we're in a better place and we feel comfortable playing out and and doing things so 
Yeah. You you mentioned the, 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 the boogie rock aspect of it all. And, um, what, what, what kind of informed that direction for you? Like uh, that you were feeling it because like there's, there's so many, I, and I don't know if, um, they were influences or not, but there's so many things that come to mind. Um, when I listen to it that, um, I don't hear in contemporary music really anymore um and things i love and things i missed like yeah. you know i was I, I was talking about guts like guts to me feels like like at its core almost like a new york doll song like it, it's got like kind of that personality crisis kind of like just just banging on a piano um in it but um but what kind of led you down that path yeah i i think it comes from the family tree record taking itself a little too too seriously. And then um, we didn't, we never broke up or took a break or a hiatus or anything. I know our press release might seem like that's what happened, but um, we were very much like all speaking, talking, writing still. Um, but we all kind of went and did our own things for a little bit, just to kind of see what else is out there. Um, I, I've been playing for the New York Yankees playing with Andorra since I was 12 years old. Um, so like there was, there is nothing I, I've, I've checked, I've gone out there and I've played with other bands, nothing beats playing with these guys, but I think I had to, to find that out for myself. So um, in that, I joined a couple different bands just to see how like this guy runs his band or like, what is, what is it like to be the bass player in a band? Um, and then uh, in addition to that, uh, Michael uh, started a bluegrass band. Dante traveled the world with, um, pigeons playing ping pong and bright eyes. And, um, I think I, what I did impacted the music the most by starting this classic rock cover band with our friend, uh, Ramon Gadea. And, uh, we, we just covered like every stone song under the sun. So it was, it was like very much, you know, very Rolling Stones inspired. It's like, uh, my family's favorite band. So naturally it's my favorite band. Um, so, you know, there's, there's huge stones influences on it, I think. And one of my favorite live bands right now is low cut Kanye as well. So that's, that's, uh, that's kind of what did it for me. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. The, the other thing I hear in there a bit, um, in, um, some of the songs like, uh, like in touch is kind of like, um, T-Rex and big star, like that kind yeah. of just like power pop. And it's just like, it's so good. Like I just, <laughs> I'm such, I'm such a fan of your guys, your album. Like it, it just, you. it feels really, really good. Um, what, so do you, you know, like, like we just kind of mentioned, uh, the album just came out. You just did the album release party. Um, are you planning on trying to tour this or? Yeah, if I can get these guys to do it again, I'd love to. Um, it's just something small, maybe, maybe, maybe uh, something northeast. You know, I have a little route in mind. Um, but, but yeah, we we toured a little bit last summer and um, had some some damage to a van that we rented, and um, the 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 vibes were bad basically morale, so morale was low right <laughs> so um but i think like you know that and the funny thing about that week looking back is like everything was just out of our hands it was like yeah like the milk boy clothes and that was supposed to be like our homecoming show and then it was like all right we got to replace that dc's venue was like ah oh, we're doing the same thing i oh, got it you know so it was it was just like a lot of band-aiding and it felt like that from the beginning and then but that's tour you know like that's just what happens and and 
but but I'd love to to go out and and do it again because we have some friends in in the Boston area the the shirts and shoes that I'd love to go play a show with up there and and um you know just just kind of spread the network that we've created over the years and see how how far out we can get. Yeah, uh, um, music video. Are you working on any uh, music videos or anything like that? Any kind of other promotional projects or? I guess we should, but nothing, <laughs> nothing in the works, nothing on the calendar at the moment. <laughs> All right, I have, I have a pitch then for you because okay. I, I love it. All right, here's, here's, and now. Yeah, I don't know what your budget would be, but um, what you do, all right, you know, <laughs> all right, you do, um, you do hidden desires, right, as a um, um, a retro video, like um, like a um, uh, whiskey a go go sunset strip eighties kind of like uh, poison crew. L.A. Guns, Guns yeah, and yeah. Roses, um, and uh, I, I think you know maybe even fl- this is why I was saying budget um, make make the grape look like the whiskey and do like you know the the concert footage and all yeah that's my uh, okay <laughs> that's that's all my right. pitch for you cool. that's an idea plus if it's grapes low cost you know right. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll do, and you know what I'll direct it. Uh, right. we'll do it. <laughs> Deal. Somebody, no. somebody mentioned to me that, uh, that, that like opening guitar riff sounds a little bit like, um, uh, oh, uh, it's, it, I'm drawing a blank for some reason, but the, um, the stone song that's in every Vietnam movie, uh, oh, um, yes. Um, am I drawing a blank? Give me shelter. Yeah. Give me shelter. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, we should just shoot it in like a, a, you know, okay. Yeah. No. Forest, you know, scratch scratch the other. Yeah. Scratch the <laughs> other idea. I was just going. Yes. Do a Vietnam film. Yes. <laughs> that's perfect. Oh my god. Totally perfect. Or you just do the um the Altamont scenes from uh from Gimme Shelter and sure. uh, <laughs> yeah. apocalypse now. You know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. No. Um. So like um. Uh, was there anything that didn't make it on this album that like like are 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 you looking to live with this project for a while or are you kind of thinking about what's next i think so yeah i we always look ahead we we typically skip all of this stuff for for the records it's just like the the fun in all of this is is the creating and the and the performing um so uh kind of ready to go do the next thing we've been sitting on this record for a little bit but you know um we're, we're going to keep gigging this out. You know, we, we've, we've been a band for 12 years, I think at this point with four records under our belt. So we're just always trying to think about like, what haven't we done yet and what direction do we want to go next? And that's, that's really what excites us. So um, we're kind of just figuring that out and, and just waiting for time to, to cut away to, to go and nail all that down. Yeah. And one other thing too, that, that we've never done for another album, um, as of potentially today, we're, we're going to get it, um, cut to vinyl as well. Um, so come out to our next show, um, cause we should have it. Um, but yeah, I mean that, that it's going to be super cool. It, it, you know, it was kind of decided like, you know, we're all so proud of this particular record. It's been a little while in the making. And, um, I think the vibe also fits, you know, um, you know, as far yes. as, as far as vinyl goes. So, something that we've all wanted to do for a long time, be able to hold your, your LP in your hands. So assuming that comes to fruition, I think we're all pretty excited and, you know, we'll have that to, to sell and promote as well. Yeah. That's but awesome. Was, yeah. And, th- and there was nothing that I don't think we, we, we cut out or skipped 
for this. Like, like we kind of wrote the record with the intention of making it short and sweet. It's yeah. about 30 minutes. I um, said to Kevin, I remember saying to you day one before, I don't think we had any songs. I was like, our next record is going to be eight tracks. Now this yeah. is nine tracks, but I only knew about eight tracks for like 80% of the time we were making it. And then you were like, actually, there's a ninth. Uh, but I said, the next record we're making is not going to be any longer than eight tracks. Yeah. I think it's a perfect length. Like, uh, you know, um, I, I, I keep harping back. The fact that you're putting out on vinyl is is awesome. Um, but like, I, I feel like the the limitation of how much music you can put and, and keep quality on two sides of of a 33 and a third is is what made like some of those landmark albums that we all remember um the as strong as they are because there was somewhat of a limitation you know without going into the double album or or whatever um to kind of say what you want and mean it, you know what I mean? Like, um, and, and like, I love a concise album and this is, there's no, there's no fat to trim on this. Like, it's great, man. Like, thanks. Yeah. And uh, I think that's what we're going for really. Um, you know, I I said it earlier today, but from a lyrical standpoint, like it's easy to kind of just scratch the surface because you're always feeling angsty and, and fresh and like, you know, this time around I'm, I'm older, a little bit more mature, wiser, whatever. Um, so like you have to dig a little bit deeper to kind of say what you want to say in, in an intentional, meaningful way. And um, I think I did that this time. Um, but, you know, it, it, it gets harder. I think the, the older you get with when, when, you know, you're not, you're not you're not angsty from bluebell and there's nothing really going on besides your stomach hurting from eating taquitos at the 7-Eleven down the street. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I you know, it's 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 a weird thing where like um uh we used to always talk about like uh I feel like Rage Against the Machine made the right decision of kind of not making new music after a while because like how can you be that angry for the rest of your life you know yeah. like like yeah. especially when you start finding some success or when people when you start finding people who appreciate you you know not even just the success but when people start like you know when when you start communicating when when that communication is reciprocated in you know reviews and stuff like that or or just someone you know at a bar who was like man i really love that song and stuff like that like yeah. once what, what what's there to be mad about anymore you know what i mean like you, you're yeah. doing it you're yeah. <laughs> you know um and that's not to say that you can't be depressed and and have a successful music career but like uh but yeah like the there the, at a certain point you got to fill that well with something else and um you know uh it's i don't even know how to finish that sentence you know what you know you know it's painting with a like with a broad brush but like i feel like so often the album after fame for a band is is not necessarily a bad album but is often not received well or whatever because it's either take you know making major changes and yeah i think that has i think that has a lot to do with it right it's you've you've hit it now and it becomes a lot difficult to write writer's block you know whatever it's definitely changes things yeah and and like especially really successful bands like once once there's a budget and there's money and you can just you know 
find a Wurlitzer that you know that that, yeah. that you want to buy and just put in the studio and stuff like that. And when you want to, you know, you ship something over from from England because you, you saw it and you heard it on some recording and you bought the board from you know that somebody like once all that stuff starts happening, you kind of start losing the 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 grit almost, you know, like. Right. Uh, but but that's me. I like I like demos. I like you know <laughs> broke recording. I like I like the struggle, man. That's me. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, but uh, so um, locally though, um, what kind of what you, you have shows on on the docket coming up? You said. Um, yeah, we have something queued up uh, February twenty fourth. Um, to it's our buddy Matt DeMeo, his his birthday show that we're going to be playing at the Falzer Club. Uh, details TBD. <laughs> Figure that out right now. Um, and uh, some cool stuff happening in March. We're just going to keep kind of kicking around and um, keep it keep it kicking until until you know. Dante goes back on the road with bright eyes or or we're ready to hit the studio again and, and just try to nail down some more original stuff. I dig it. I dig it. What's the what's the reception been like, not just for the album, but like uh, but live? Like what's how, how are people kind of reacting to the to the songs? I mean, Friday, last Friday, Milk Boy, um, that that show was was incredible. Yeah, we all kind of agreed. Like as far as how it felt, it was like top three for us. And and I think I think equally in in reception, um, you know, that was one of the m- most major gigs that Anthony, our, our new keyboardist, played with us. Um, and there was tons of people after we got off on stage saying, "Oh my god, the keyboard, you know, changes everything." And, and I think it does fill out a lot. So we'll probably keep flying him out to play with us. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the, it has not only have we received, I think some, some pretty good feedback, especially after that show, but that show just felt amazing. Like there was, it was just like straight through, you know, it didn't feel like any hiccups for any of us. Yeah. That was, that was awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> the only but, thing I wish I could have been a little bit more like, like, um, like, uh, limber, I guess. Like I, uh, the steps getting up there with like, you know, like a 50 pound amp is like, it just does damage to your legs. And I was just like, at one point I was like, Oh my God, I'm still up here. So like that, <laughs> that, that was the only thing that I have to say. Cause I, I was like, wow, I'm not like, I'm not really moving around. Like I used to be, I, what the hell happened? And I, was yeah, like, I think, I think you were in your head. I think, carried, you, I think you were moving around steps, more steps. than you thought you were. <laughs> <laughs> Put a little workout in there. Oh, it's great. I love it. Well, gentlemen, you want to go through this jauntlet questionnaire? These are my uh, questions that I ask every guest. Um, it, they're very simple. The The first half is the one hit wonders. Um, you're just picking one or the other. Um, so we'll, 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 we'll go, uh, Kevin, then Jordan, uh, on these just to kind oh, of keep God. the flow moving. <laughs> um, That's good. So the first one, Billy Joel or Elton John? Elton John. Okay, Jordan. Elton John. Yeah, yeah, I feel it. I feel it. You know, I, I I always like to tell people this, but I always in my head kind of guess based off of people's music who they're going to pick, and and uh, uh, that, that that was it. Um, but uh, there's there's one coming up, and I'll let you know when it happens. That um, that we'll we'll see we'll see okay. how my guesses went. Um, we'll see we'll see how I did. Uh, number two, Debbie Harry or Joan Jett. Uh, Joan Jett. 
tone jet. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, see, there's this synergy going on. You can tell you guys have known each other for as long as you have. <laughs> he just played. copy. He's just mimicking. He's just, <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't know the right answers. <laughs> okay. I, I definitely used you as influence on the Elton John one, but Joan Jett, come on now. Oh, I feel it. I feel it. Uh, next one, Aretha Franklin or Tina Turner? Tina Turner. I feel like I got to change it up because it would just be boring if I didn't. So I, I, I'll go Aretha Franklin. Sure. Okay. Now you got to fight. Now you guys got to arm wrestle it out. Uh, <laughs> uh, Nirvana or Pearl Jam? Oh, I'm curious on this. Yeah, one. this is an interesting one. Um, I mean, I am the biggest Dave Grohl fan in the world, but there's something about going back and listening to Nirvana's catalog that feels like, like, do not touch, right? Like it's just too, too holier than thou. So I, and I could throw on Pearl Jam, whatever. So I, I'm going to go with Pearl Jam. I'll go with Nirvana just because I, I you can't beat Dave's way of drumming. Just his cracking the drums. There's yeah. nothing better than it. So I, I got to go Nirvana. I love it. I love it. Now I'm going to ask you guys because you guys seem like very big Dave Grohl fans. Um, uh, and I am a, a big Dave Grohl fan, too. Uh, and we did this episode uh, a few years ago when the Foo Fighters got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And some people say, possibly rightfully so, that we were very mean to one Mr. David Grohl. Um, but, but, uh-huh. I, but here's the entire thing. Do you think the Foo Fighters deserve to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame now? Like right now, they got in like, what, two years ago, three years ago. Do you think that's a deserved entry or is it too soon? Too soon. Well, you know, I'm glad they got in with Taylor Hawkins. I I, yeah, I think that's very true. Knee jerk reaction, but um, yeah, definitely too soon. I think there was like there's some bands that are not existing now that probably like like um, Jane's Addiction comes to mind that probably should have been in there. I don't know that Soundgarden or or a couple of Cornell's projects are in that yeah, probably nope. deserve to be in. Right? Um, everybody's always been like. Nine Inch Nails aren't in and yeah, feel like they deserve, and like they're probably have like maybe like 10 years on. Those, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Um, and that was but, the whole argument. Like, and it wasn't like, well, there was three of us on it. It was like a round table discussion. And one guy is a Foo Fighters hater. The other guy um, was like kind of mid ground. And then there's me who like, I love the Foo Fighters. I've seen them live like so many times yeah. and I love them. But the whole t- but I'm the one who started it. I was like, there's no goddamn way this band should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame right now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's so weird to me. Um, and and the, the, because like I I said it opened a floodgate and I was like, you look, if if someone nominates Weezer to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I'm going to punch somebody in the fucking face. Sure. <laughs> you know, like maybe 10 years from now, if that were to happen, I'd be perfectly fine with it. But goddamn Harry Nielsen is not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You're going to put goddamn yeah. fucking Rivers Cuomo in there. Yeah. It, does, it does come down to two. What, like, whether I don't know what their criteria is. But like it, it comes down to whether you're you're looking at it too as like a popularity contest or what they've done for music, right? Like right. I, I, Foo Fighters, as of recently, I mean, especially the last few years and when, when the, before they got introduced, like they were just they were blowing up, absolutely enormous, like just stadium after stadium after stadium, uh, and then the record sold, whatever. So like they were just absolutely enormous, and I think if you look at it more like what have they done for music. There's, there might be, I'm sure there are much better arguments for, you know, other acts, right? 
Yeah. Well, I, I, I always say the sacrilegious thing of, like, I actually like the Foo Fighters more than I like Nirvana. But I would never say that the Foo Fighters should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame over Nirvana. Like, that's yeah. just ludicrous. You know yeah. what I mean? So like, I think they got in. Nirvana was inducted maybe, like, two or three years prior to the Foo Fighters thing. Yeah. So it, there hasn't been that much of a difference. But all, I, all I'll say is I'm sure you got to pay some dues to get in there. And goals yeah. loaded, so I'm sure right. paid them. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. It's fine. I'm I'm going to fight this argument for the rest of my life, and they're in the Hall of Fame, and I don't even really care that they're in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> it's just the idea that they're in the Hall of Fame that like just blows my mind. Yeah. But I got I off say, track. I'm glad they're in the Hall of Fame just because they were able to int- uh, induct Rush. That's the only reason I'm glad that they're there. That was <laughs> yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> 100 percent um counterparts tour 94 third row seats from or third row from the stage at the spectrum and it was one of the best concerts i've ever been to in my life uh, i have the, the reprint of counterparts downstairs it's one of my favorite records nice. it's great isn't it oh my god it's so good um next one janice joplin or stevie nicks stevie nicks yep. stevie yeah nicks. okay my mom, See- my mom did an mri on her just fun fact that is an awesome factoid. <laughs> if you had a Wikipedia, I would literally go put that in the Wikipedia yeah. <laughs> right now. <laughs> um, this is this is the big one: Beatles or Stones? Okay. Stones. Are you going Beatles? I was. Going um, to get- uh, it's hard. Uh, I, I think I'd say Stones. Yeah, just um, I, I think you know our buddy Tyler Ashay from uh, the Tisberries, and uh, recently we did a. Uh, uh, it was at the Grape Room for their 12-year anniversary. We did a Beatles versus Stones thing, and uh, he sat in and played keys. And he he said the uh, the Stones is more of like the rock and roll party, like like the party party, and then the Beatles are the emotional party. So um, that depends on how you want to party. But but uh, typically, I'm, I'm a Stones guy, but but uh, love the Beatles too. Yeah, I like that. You know, uh, and the people who listen to this podcast are going to be like, here we go again. Here he goes. Um, But like to me, like the Beatles are like four, three and three fourths like geniuses, you know, in like their own regards. And they all made very beautiful music. But like the Stones are just a fucking band, man. Like they're just a band and they just rock and like you know someone said to me recently and they were like okay but what about early you know cavern beetles and i'm like okay you're right like (laughs) yeah i I don't have an argument like i'm never gonna argue against somebody saying they like the beetles more you know what i mean like it's just it's just what i prefer and like just the the grit and the 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 rock of the stones is just kind of where i lay my hat like so i'm with you guys yeah. And we like, cover both of those bands too. Which is, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> what uh what, what what kind of what kind of stones covers you do? I mean, all of them or any particular uh, one you kind of Andorra particularly is known to throw out a miss you cover. And yes. then uh Helter Skelter's been in our set list as well. Recently, oh, so. very cool. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. I dig it. (laughs) I dig it. Um, Okay, the uh, the last uh, one hit wonder: Bohemian Rhapsody or Stairway to Heaven? Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. I'll go. I'll go Stairway. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I like a good split. (laughs) I like a good split. Uh, The next section is the top ten countdown. You guys are from the area. You know the word. If any time John is used in here, you can use it to be whatever you want. It doesn't have to be music. It can be anything in the world. So, uh, number one, what was your first John when you were growing up? What was the first thing you were obsessed with? 
uh, Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> I think so, yeah. I dig it. Favorite turtle? Leonardo. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was a Michelangelo myself. There you go. Um, <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> um, I'm going to go like basic and just say like my first drum kit. Like that yeah. was getting that was just like it's it's all i cared about at the time so yeah. I'll, go, I'll go basic and say that uh how old were you when you got that you said right um probably like maybe four or three years before andorra i would say something oh okay like. yeah i was pretty i was pretty young yeah <clears throat> oh, dig it dig it uh number two what's your current john what are you into right now Ooh. um <clears throat> What am I into? I, I, I really like working right now, honestly. Like, uh, I love what I do for a living. So, like, um, anytime I'm not like booking shows or like, I also work part time at Ardmore Music Hall. If I'm not there or like here working or planning on something, then like, I'm, I'm kind of a mess. So, um, I, I like my job. So, that's awesome. That's a, that's the, that's you, you're living the American dream. Like to, to find something that you love and to be able to do it yeah. is an absolute blessing. That's awesome. Uh, Jordan yourself. Um, I think my current John is just like, um, probably traveling, um, trying to do more of it with my girlfriend. And, um, it's, I blame social media. They send you all the posts. And then once you see one, that's all you get. So, um, yeah, just like planning trips and, and trying to get out and do more shit, you know? Uh, do you have anything on the horizon? Any any good trip? Potentially going to Ireland with uh, with a group, uh, half of Andorra, to, uh, three-fourths of Andorra uh, coming up, uh, potentially. So we'll see. Very cool. Very so. cool. Uh, number three, what was your first concert? What was the first live show you went to? This is a really funny story. Uh, I'll make it quick, though. Uh, my dad was like, do you want to see Pearl Jam or do you want to see Coldplay? And I was like, ooh, uh, I don't know, maybe Coldplay. And he's like, no, you're going to see Pearl Jam. So we went and saw Pearl Jam. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's a good one. Where, uh, where was that at? Uh, uh, probably Tweeter Center at the time. So maybe 2008, I think. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. I can dig it. Jordan? Um, yeah, taking away like like home shows and stuff like my brother's band, probably uh rush on the snakes and arrows tour at the, what was then, I guess the tweeter center. Yeah. I think I was there. Um, I'm pretty sure I was there. Yeah. Um, I, I love that band. Um, and like there was a period of my life where that was literally the only thing I listened to was, was rush. <laughs> yeah. uh, number four, what was your last concert? What was the last uh, show you went to? Mm. it's hard to define like like work shows versus like shows i'm actually like actively paying a ticket for because like i'm I'm always at a concert uh but i think the last ticket that i purchased to like see for fun was foals at uh that frank the music hall with 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 jordan oh very cool uh yeah. jordan was that your last show uh, it was, but I'll, I, I forgot about that show in my notes. So uh, I'll, the, the show I was at just like a week before that was uh, was Maniskin, and that was cool. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Um, you, we mentioned on my last show, I just saw uh, the Tisburys on Thursday at Sellersville. Uh, so, <laughs> with, uh, with Stereo League. That, was, uh, that was a good vibe, man. That was really cool. Uh, number five, what was your favorite concert? What was the best show you've ever been to? I think I look back fondly at uh, seeing Cage the Elephant at 
electric factory with our buddy chris it was just like my my first concert by myself with like no adult supervision it was just like wild it was, it was crazy uh of stage diving just like moving with the crowd being there i hate that now but um yeah. you know that that was probably my last that was my my favorite concert all right yeah they um they were a band who i was always like into but i was never like uh obsessed with or anything and then i saw them uh open for beck and uh like and i was and was seeing them live i was it was like one of those like oh i get it now like yeah. you know what i mean like and, and then you know it sent me down the rabbit hole so uh jordan favorite concert um taking out rush the equation because i don't want to repeat an answer um <laughs> I, I i i've i've had to think about this before and i think my answer is florence and it was at a 1045 birthday show um which just like changed the whole experience we had played the show earlier in the day it was an incredible set incredible day and then we got to like, tap it off by like being in the front row for florence and the machine who i like didn't even like at the time and then we saw them and i was like that was one of the best shows i've ever seen <laughs> so just because of the weirdness of the whole scene florence no oh, brilliant i love it uh number six who have you never seen live that you wish you would have they can be living or dead uh prince saints yeah. yeah you know i didn't consider dead. <laughs> living, i didn't consider living or dead <laughs> so i just i only had living artists but I, i'm gonna go with that um i had on here uh stephen wilson and porcupine tree um or potentially also my chem back when they were earlier my chem not present day my not present day yeah <laughs> oh, i dig it i dig it um you know and it, the, the grape room plays a part in my my answer to this like uh for the longest time it was prince but then someone talked about um specific like a specific show in an answer and then like i i had i now have a second um answer guess, to this can i guess yes. what you're gonna say yeah you say cornell at the grapefruit pub close Okay. Very close, actually. <laughs> uh, Jeff Buckley at the Grave Street Pub. Okay, cool. Um, which, like, um, it, like you know, both of those voices, like, literally, either one of those would be like the best show ever. To, to, um, or even like uh, Nirvana played Dobbs, right? Too. Like, yes, that, that would have been crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like how crazy? Like it is. It is wild to like you know think of those bands and those artists playing on stages that we've all played on you know what i mean or 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 yeah. kevin in your case that you literally see all yeah. the time you know yeah. like <laughs> well i mean it might sound corny but like every time i i go up I, I don't think of it actively but it's like there is like there's the mural on the wall and there's like all of the, like the local folks that have contributed to that venue um before me so it's like there is without knowing it's there you know and it's just like uh that's harping on me like i i this is this place is historical you know so um yeah it's it's uh, yeah it's it's an honor to play in philadelphia in, in most cases because you you never know who's really played on those stages so it's it's just like you have to be you have to have that respect in a way just just to walk on the stage 100%, 100%. Uh, number seven, name an unappreciated John, something you wish had a little more shine to it. Oh, do you have one ready, Jordan? I don't... Can can this be like, it could be anything, right? Anything, like, anything, it doesn't yeah. have to be related to literally anything. Yeah, sure. 
I'm only saying this because I recently had this conversation, but I was, I had the flu like all the week before New Year's Eve. Um, and it was terrible. And I like couldn't breathe out of my nose literally forever. And it sucked. And I remember like the first day I could breathe out of my nose, I was like, that shit's underrated. Like being able to just breathe normally with clear sinuses is goddamn underrated. <laughs> I had this conversation today, so that's what I'm going with. That's awesome. <laughs> that's a fantastic answer. <laughs> So top that, Kevin. Top that. <laughs> oh, I'm breathing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, top breathing. Oh, man. Uh, I'd say uh, Canadian tuxedos. Okay. All right. I wish I wish that could just be a look without anybody just saying anything, you know, just appreciate. I love it. I'm working, working with denim on denim. Blue cra- collar working class right here, you know. That's an awesome answer as well. Two very great answers to that question. I love it. I love it. Uh, number eight, favorite album. Mm. Well, my favorite album 2022 was a band called Sweet Pill. They had an album called uh, Where the Heart Is. It's like a Hallie Williams emo rock twinkly basement kind of guitar lead thing. Um that's my favorite as of late um of all time uh harder answer um foo fighters there's nothing left to lose is my favorite foo fighter record is my favorite band um but like of all time i guess like you know rumors something something kind of generic no it's got to go that way though right there is no (laughs) wrong answer to this question uh well we'll see uh, there should be no wrong answer. <laughs> well, I don't think it's fair that you said three, but uh, <laughs> my, <laughs> I will say all time, um, I'm gonna, I have to go hot fuss killers. Oh, I, great one. There's just no track on that album where I'm not actively listening and just in love. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I love that album as well. And I just discovered something and it, 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 it's, it, it's, a uh, you know, that new single boy. Mm. I haven't been able to get into it, and I finally figured it out this Christmas time what it is. And there's something on his voice, and I don't know what it is. It's like, and it's intentional um, that I have a visceral reaction to the sound of. Yeah. And the only way I discovered it is because I have the same exact reaction to um, the the delay that uh paul mccartney uses in simply uh having a wonderful christmas time like it, like i can't stand it and it's not even about the song it's literally the the sonic palette makes me sick and um boy does the same thing to me and i i want to know what he did and why he did it but i think he hates me uh <laughs> <laughs> i'll check that out i just yeah. put it up on spotify and it's really i've, I've heard it. it but i i don't remember the effect off the top of my head so now i'm gonna go listen it's <laughs> It's it's like it's it's like a pitch correction, but like noticeable, but yeah. not like share noticeable. It's weird. There's it's like and it's almost like he intentionally either sang it sharp or flat to get that effect. Um, mm-hmm. So like it's one of those things that like I respect they were trying something, um, but it just for me um makes me want to vomit <laughs> so so there's there's my little killers uh note for the day uh number nine name an artist whose output you'll consume anything they put out um i feel like the older queens and stone age have gotten over the years the better their their music has been um 
so they've constantly hit for me i think that's it's a good answer for me <laughs> yeah it's great that's a solid answer kind of wish that had been my answer but that's okay um yeah i i think if rush was still a band and still making music my answer would be rush given that that can't be the case um i'll probably go paramore paramore has been a band I, I don't care what they release they've changed genres pretty severely they've you know it doesn't matter i'm consuming whatever it is so it's amazing that you say that because did you see the um i don't even remember what it's called uh the boston festival that they just released yes. the lineup of today with the they're they're with the, queens yeah yeah they're both playing the we they're both might need to go to <laughs> that, that, well i but we've already i've like already looked at plane tickets i'm like how do i get to boston <laughs> oh you drive <laughs> i guess we could drive yeah whatever yeah amtrak goes that far doesn't it yeah. That was, a, uh, that was a happy accident. I forgot that that was just announced the day, too. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah that's wild. Uh, number 10, the 10th and final of the top 10 countdown. What is your favorite John of all time? Again, it can be anything you want it to be. My favorite John of all time. Uh, Rocky Balboa. Great answer. Um Okay. So, uh, real quick, I tried to get Sylvester Stallone on this uh, on this podcast when he was uh, doing uh, the re-release of Rocky IV, and uh, his people sent me the nicest rejection letter I've ever received, and it, I almost love it more than some of the yeses I've gotten in the past because they were just so goddamn nice <laughs> in it. Like they were like, "We we uh, we appreciate you reaching out, um, but at this time uh, we." run it you know he's he's done all the press he's gonna do for it but uh we wish you the best of success on your endeavors and did it and i was just sitting there reading it like my god you've made me feel good by nice. saying no that's so crazy <laughs> that's wild yeah um sorry jordan i didn't mean to cut you off with so okay. my answer is uh my answer is buffalo wings <laughs> oh yes um do you have a favorite buffalo wing spot you know philly is tough with that i i don't feel like we have awesome wings and no, so my we answer just talking about probably, that yeah we were just talking about this and so my answer would probably piss off a lot of people but like i love pj willahan's their hot and honey wings are all that matters um so yeah i'm gonna go hot and honey pj willahan's wings for my favorite but i think that's only because i just think the philly scene is kind of missing awesome buffalo wings otherwise yeah I 100% agree. Like it's it's very weird like how it's all, it's almost like there's there's some places I can think of that have very good wings that yeah. I very much enjoy but no single place that makes me go, "Oh, you know whose wings you need to try?" Right. Though I will I will say one suggestion you guys are, you know, somewhat area uh, familiar. Um have you ever been to Tex-Mex Connection in North Wales? Nope. Uh, I have. Okay. Their wings pretty good. Okay. Pretty good. Um, pretty meaty, or at least they used to be. The, that was pre-pandemic, so you know things. You know, supply chain could have screwed that up, but uh, yeah. but they, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. They uh, they have a jerk wing that was like I, I used to DJ there and I I play there um over the summer uh out on the patio every once in a while and stuff like that. But uh, their their wings were always a very good snack that uh that I very much enjoyed. Not enough to say that you know stop what you're doing and go get them, but sure. Yeah. But I love it. Um, flavor, though, what, you, 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 I heard of Honey Hot. Is that is that your yeah? Your hot jam? and Honey is yeah. go to. We love Hot and Honey. I don't, I don't think I've ever gotten a different flavor at PJ's before. Even though they have like fifteen on the menu, Hot and Honey. It was the I think it was like the original, and it's just it's just how to do it. <clears throat> That's kind of our band 
practice tradition. Just post show or post practice, hit up a Beans and Willands, get a, get a copper logger, and uh, just throw some back. That's 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 what we do. <laughs> I love it. That's a great tradition. Great tradition. So uh, the the album Boogie Night Blues is out on all of the things, but m- uh, more importantly, people can head over to uh, Andorra.bandcamp.com and check it out straight from the source. Um, the vinyl you said uh, that you guys are cutting is it going to be for sale on there as well, or just it shows? probably just shows unless we don't sell well it shows then <laughs> yeah well, well, <laughs> let's, let's say we're gonna put it on there we might do some like a like a, a pre-order kind of option just they're gonna be pretty limited so uh, we want to make sure people who want to get them so do you um, want it we'll get it to you <laughs> that that's kind of what i was getting at yeah because yeah. uh, i don't know if i'll be able to make the show or not but uh i definitely want one i have a i actually have a a thing that i do where i if if a guest has a vinyl i try to get uh, a copy of the vinyl because i have a a full section on my discogs of um just vinyls of people who have been on the show so awesome um, but, um, but no, the guys, the, the album is absolutely phenomenal and, um, you should be very, very proud of it. Um, and I'm, I'm sure you are, uh, but, but, uh, but, uh, it, guys listening to this, uh, definitely, uh, check it out, uh, however you can get to music, um, because it's it's just absolutely stellar and it's it's just something that like i I find very enjoyable and is uh look i think i'm gonna get a little woo woo because this is how i get but i I think music's important and i think uh i think you know the music you guys have created here is very important and it's a very great vibe and uh so thank you for creating fucking dope shit guys thank you thank you for having us appreciate it thanks for the kind words appreciate it Awesome. Absolutely. Uh, anything you would like to leave these silly folks with? Um, keep streaming Boogie Night Blues, and uh, we're going to keep gigging this thing out. So uh, just pay attention to our socials, and um, we'll let you know when we're coming to your town or, or just playing our town. So we'll hope to see you there. I keep love it. out for some potentially big shows. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> My many thanks again to Kevin and Jordan for joining me on the show today. You can find Andorra's new album, Boogie Night Blues, on all the streaming sites out there and on their Bandcamp page at andorramusic.bandcamp.com. And if you want to follow them on the socials, you can find them on Instagram at andorra underscore music and on Twitter at andorra music. And the Andorra documentary is now up on YouTube. Check it all out. Links to all of that will be in the show notes. And it may be a new season, but for some of you, this may be your first time at the dance. Or, you know, maybe your second time back. Or maybe you've been one of my day ones. Regardless of the amount of time you have allowed me to talk into your ears, if you have not done so already... Please be sure to subscribe to the Yo That's My John podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Give us a little rate and review action and you will earn yourself your very own super awesome John Scout merit badge for citizenship of the world. Yes, you can do it. And hey, don't forget to visit www.yothatsmyjohn.com for articles, merchandise, and links to all of the previous episodes of this podcast. And while you are there, be sure to sign up for our mailing list to get all of the updates delivered straight to your inbox. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash yo that's my john for updates and live streams. 
Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Yo That's My John and search Yo That's My John on YouTube to find the Yo That's My John YouTube channel. Like and subscribe the heck out of that ish. We want to hear from you. Reach out, reach out, and touch some John. All right, before I end this episode, I'd just like to give a loving shout-out to legendary Philly DJ and icon Jerry Blavitt, the geeter with the heater, who passed away just this last week. The Philly music community owes so much to that gentleman, and I am so completely saddened to hear that we lost him. So I leave you guys today with his words, a motto that I hope you take with you everywhere. Keep on rocking because you only rock once. Blue skies, until next time, everybody. Hey, yo, displace the guilt and embrace the pleasure. Your taste in music doesn't have to be... Yo, That's My John is a Lonely Monk production written and produced by yours truly, Nate Runkle. Theme song by Phil Tyler Music featuring Nate 3.0. Special thanks to Fox Run Brands, DX Ferris, Andrew Scott, Natalie Runkle, and the incredibly brilliant and wickedly stunning Katie Daubney. If you or anyone you know has any ideas they would like to share or any guests they would like to hear on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to us at yo that's my john at gmail.com. Or you can leave an audio message for us and possibly hear yourself on a future episode by visiting anchor.fm slash ytmj slash message. Until next time, be sure to displace the guilt and embrace the pleasure and shout to the world, yo, that's my John. John.